Herald of Steel beckons. War on the horizon. Chaos reigns supreme. But who will save us? Beckons of the Herald of Steel is a 5th edition homebrew campaign. It is a high fantasy and old school flavored campaign run by me, the young Rognard, and my friends. Let's meet those friends now. I am Anthony Santiago, and I'm playing Norhill Hammerstone, Dwarven Fighter. I'm Jared, and I'll be playing Jarzak, the Orc Warlock. I'm Ryan, and I'm going to be playing Klika, the Goblin Sorcerer. I'm Veronica. I'll be playing Anton, the Human Cleric. While many prophecies are written, our story has yet to be completed. Follow us into adventure. Welcome back to another episode of the podcast. It is I, Grognard, the Young, the Young Grognard, kicking it to you live with the Beckons of Herald of Steel campaign with the adventure, the Lords, and the quest, Salvation. The last episode of the podcast, our party did a Dungeness Dookie crawl through the sewage units of the Dwarvish Hall of Silver. Uh, they had strange encounters of the Otyug variety, uh, all the while climbing up strange waterfalls of murky, stinky, watery goodness, before ending up in something of a sewage line that came to a abrupt stop in something of what appeared to be a gnomish-styled uh, subsection of a city, perhaps? Uh, and we left off pretty much at that point. Um, I guess the one thing I'll start us off on is that uh, Norhill is aware that there have been, as, as in any city or kingdom, there are certain sections, especially like in, in royal housing for, like there are certain sections where people can stay if they are ambassadors or if they're people who are there, like, you know what I mean? Like it makes sense to have places for people to live in or to at least take stay. But the fact that there's an entire like gnomish community down here, at least, looks like a village, nothing big, nothing more than like, you know, 100, 200 people. But still, seeing this with your very own eyes is news to you. It's not as if you knew all along or like know all the ins and outs, but this is still strange. You know what I mean? It's kind of like a Futurama finding out about the mutants that live beneath the city. There's always been rumors. And you've known about the gnomes having their connections to dwarves, but walking into what appears to be like some ancient preserved gnomish dwelling is still pretty strange. So you guys all pop out of the little watery aqueduct looking thingy there. And yeah, I mean, you're just in something that looks almost to be like a burrowed street, not a burrow with a U-R-R-O-W, but burrow is in like, you know, five burrows, my, my dudes of the tri-state. Um, so yeah, there you are in your little gnomish village. It looks decrepit, run down, dusty, dingy, cobwebs everywhere. You are the constant skitterings of small feet uh, parading around. Um, but without that little noise kind of echoing through the stony chambers here, um, again, it doesn't seem like there's really all that much going on at all. Are the proportions all for gnomes? So like if I wanted to go in any buildings or at least start act like we don't really have much of a chance. I mean, you can go in. Gnomes aren't, like, freakishly short or anything like that. Like, you can still go in. You just kind of got to duck down. It was, like, the exact same thing as being in the gnomish districts of Boltzcrag. So what would you guys like to do? As it seems like this section of uh, subsidy here, uh, again, it's not that it's expansive. It seems almost like there's, like, a small, it's like a neighborhood block down here. And it seems like there are pathways that would lead to other sections of the city, you know, or at least the halls of silver. But for where you guys are standing, you are definitely in like, I don't know, just popping out of some random like in between of houses here. But the the ceiling, I guess you could call it, of this stony underground expanse connects to all the roofs. So it looks like these homes are kind of like almost built into the floor and the ceiling. And they sort of have carved them out and made do with them. So it's not like they're like little cottages standing free. It's almost like little apartment buildings built out of like the stoneworks that connect from ceiling to ceil uh, to floor. Do we want to try and remember this place for the future? Just 
because it seems like if nobody's around, this will be a good spot to send any slaves we end up freeing and stuff like that. We can let them know that this is a okay place to chill if it but doesn't also, seem yeah. particularly dangerous. I would also say that because of Norhill's experience in the city, and I mean, not in the city, but in like the, the civilization of the, the Hall of Silver here, the fact that he's never heard of this place goes to show that this place must be well closed off from everything else. Or it just must be ancient history. So the idea of hiding people down here seems safe enough. You know what I mean? So I'm, just, I'm just confirming. Other than my shield, there's no other light source in here, right? Uh, yeah, no, nothing. There are again a series of like paths and roads that kind of intersect these little connecting uh, uh, globs of houses. So it does seem like if you guys wanted to explore this place for the next half hour or so, you could probably find a way out. I'm going to start casting light on certain things just to kind of, as a weird way of like marking our way. Well, I will say you're only allowed to have one thing of light going at a time. Even if I have a cantrip? Yeah, it can only affect one object at a time, I believe. Yeah, uh, Norhill has some chalk, so instead he can, you know, yeah, put up some chalk markings to show which directions you've already gone in. Okay. Oh yeah, you're right. I can't. I can only cast it once. I can't break it. Jarzak also has chalk. When Norhill puts an arrow, can I add the arrow on the other end? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. I was going to say, I mean, you can. That's definitely, <laughs> uh, definitely a can. I don't know if it's a should, but it's a can. Okay, so in that case... Um, well, you said we'd be able to find an exit with about 30 minutes of exploration, so let's look around for exactly 29 minutes and then call it quits. <laughs> well, you guys are lucky you only made it to 29 minutes in. Can I get a perception check real quick? Mm. Uh, yeah, you can. It's going to be a 12. 18. 13. 18. Okay, so the 18s, you guys can hear from one of the little subsections of houses here. Almost looks like a, like a triplex or a duplex or something built out of one big stalagmite, stalactite connecting kind of rock that goes up. You guys can hear a couple of stones fall out of the entryway of one of them, and you hear a series of fast little feet kind of skittering off into one of the buildings. think we're alone here. I think we're alone now. Klika resists the urge to also scamper someplace in response. There's like a bunch of scared cats. Like you, you don't even know. <laughs> jumping and running. <laughs> Is there any way I can tell what direction that was like in? Can I move? Yeah, as far as the narrative goes, as you guys were like walking by, and it seems almost like once you guys were going past an intersection and past that building, something may have been like, it, it's behind you and to the left of the party. So it seems like something may have like been peeking out of the doorway, made a noise and scampered off, expecting you to be looking back. Mm. Tricky, tricky, tricky. Um, hello? What's up, Klika? <laughs> oh, hi, Jarzak. Hi. Uh, I mean, I'm, we're right next to each other. I think he's referring to whomever or whatever's watching us. Ladies and gentlemen, a fifth-level party finding their way through a gnomish expanse. <laughs> I think we have the gnomish leader still. I think she's referring to the gnomes. <laughs> What gnomes? I don't know. Wait, wait. Can you maybe use Duvania's leverage? <laughs> wait, did you yeah. say Dubani? I said Dubani. Why are you Dubani? Yeah, are you just going to name out his cousin Dubani? Not Dubani. <laughs> Sorry. Dubani, his well, way more had... radical weed-smoking cousin. I was going to say, well, we had one Bonnie, but now we're down to Dubani's. So anyway, you think there's something out there, and this place doesn't look like it's been touched for hundreds of years. I will also say that it's within like 15, 25 feet of where you guys are standing that that noise came from. 
It definitely sounds like somebody's moving around out there. Uh, it's probably just some bugs. It's fine. Oh, there's some loud bugs. Good. I'm, I mean, yeah. Do you, remember, do you remember that one bug that was pretty loud and woke all of us up? Oh, yeah. I remember being trapped in his jaws. Yeah, there are some loud bugs, but this place seems pretty safe to send the people. I mean, you know, just to clarify that point, too. I mean, the bug wasn't loud. Really, <laughs> was the loud part. The bug yeah. totally quiet and polite either. True, true, true. It did sneak up on it. So, Anton, why don't you stay in the back? <laughs> You make more noise, possibly. You wear one of those, like, barrel suits, but it's just a tin, like, drum. <laughs> just little, little, little. Um, okay. And so with that, the party would wish to continue for the additional minute that they left behind? Yes. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So as the party continues around another bend down here in the Gnomish Expanse, you guys can see in the distance that there is a large doorway of sorts up a uh, like a, a an inclining ramp so you guys can see that it it's uh sort of the width of the majority of the street that you guys are venturing down in here in this weird kind of deserted uh, uh section of the city i guess if you could call it that but at the top of it it does seem like there's quite a bit of pile of rubble and as you guys go up that way and see some runic markings on here um it seems pretty clear in dwarvish that it mentions a couple of like uh, from what Norhill knows, a couple of noble districts up ahead, um, all of them named after different types of metals. There's like a gold district and all that. Um, but it, again, does look to be pretty well covered in refuse and rubble. But as you guys begin to head up that way, you guys can hear the sound of a couple more of those stones being tossed and cast as if something's running by. And as you guys turn back to kind of hear where that sound is coming from, you look down the way and see a series of three gnomes standing there in what appear to be like tattered rags and robes. And they look up at you guys wide-eyed as if they haven't eaten in a few days. And by days, I mean probably a couple weeks. And they look up at you guys with eyes, jumbo gigantic, kind of reflected in the darkness and look up at you guys, it's just terrified. I'm giving them a ration. I'm take one out of my bag. Actually, you know what? I'm gonna give them three. Just don't even talk to them. Just throw food at them. Throw them I'm the putting food. it on the ground. I'm not throwing uh, at them. They're not ducks. <laughs> uh, if it was ducks, it'd be okay, Ronnie. Ducks will go at tossed food. They won't come to you. <laughs> Whatever. Uh, That's from my experience. But I'm going to put it on the... I'm just going to walk a little bit forward and take out three rations and leave them on the ground and then step away. Uh, who speaks gnomish? Oh, yikes. Okay. So one of them kind of chirps up in what appears to be a dwarfish dialect. And he just seems to call up and he says something along the lines of like, who do it? Do it, do it, do I don't dwarfish. Does that make any sense to me? I mean, it sounds like a dwarfish dialect. So it sounds like they're saying something close to dwarfish, but it's definitely gnomish. I, I just say in dwarfish as best I can like please take this food and so the biggest of the three gnomes the one that's got big fluffy mutton chops that appear to be some silvery kind of tone he looks to the other ones and looks up at you guys and then dwarfish he yells out and he says who are you with and why are you here I look toward Norhill bear uh, with me I am Norhill Hammerstone Silverstein here to liberate the halls of silver and steel from their conquerors. And they look back and forth at one another and they say, the conquerors? Yes. Dorger. Dorger. How could you not know? As soon as you say, as soon as you say Dorger, they all kind of like jump a little bit as if you like just went, like they all just kind of like jump a little bit at the, at the sound of it. And they all start looking back and forth as if there might be one here now that you've said the name. And they all kind of look back and forth and they say, we haven't seen any of those. Not down here. No. Well, these ways I was right that they never made it into the deeper halls. How long have you been here? It looks like this part of the hall has been sealed off for a very long while. 
So the tallest one again kind of looks back and forth amongst the two compatriots and says, it has been a long time that we've been down here. Anyway, uh, and it says we've been down here for a long time, but we haven't been warranted to stay in here. You aren't with the guard, are you? I am, but I'm afraid that that's not my current commission. So you have no worries for me, at least not at this time. And so with that, they all kind of look back and forth at each other, kind of nodding, and they say, are you of noble blood? I am common. And then with that, they kind of all frown a little bit, and they say, well, then we wish you the best of luck getting through that. And they point up that way by the stones that have kind of clogged up that roadway. And they say, it's going to take a lot of effort to convince the rocky ones to move. The rocky ones? And they kind of all like shrug a little bit at one another. And the tallest one again says, it's hard to put into a term that makes sense across all cultures, but I think many know them as Galabdur. They say they don't answer to most and they certainly aren't friendly to those who wish to get entry without some sort of permissions. If you're of noble blood, I'm sure you'd have no trouble getting in there. They've closed this area off a long time ago for reasons that I guess as he kind of looks and sees a human, a half-orc, and a goblin, he says, those who dwell on the surface are probably well aware that gnomes aren't exactly well allowed in the dwarvish districts. Uh, quick question. Did my, like, one hour of any languages thing kick off? Uh, you still speak gibberish. I was going to say, also, I think we ended last session saying I couldn't speak. So. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. You Every time you attempt to speak, it's just... No, I don't know. They're like, wow, she speaks gnome. They're like, what the fuck she's saying? But do I understand them then? Yeah, I mean, you understand them perfectly clear. You understood them in gnomish too. Except in gnomish, they said, we're going to eat your flesh. But then you guys didn't understand. They're like, oh, we totally speak Dorvish. I'm just kidding. But anywho. So with that, they stand there and they look up at you guys. Again, with a look of almost like fear and hesitation, having kind of showed their cards that they're like, hey, we're not really allowed to be down here. But if you guys are of noble blood, that would be cool. Surely there are allowances in times of emergency. And so with that, the, one of them says, if you are a dwarf, perhaps you have some sort of connection to noble blood. Perhaps you have some way of, of communing with the rocks. And they say, do you speak of the rockin' languages? Do you, do you speak their kind? I speak the tongue I use now and the tongue of the common folk of the surface. And so the tallest one says, I don't know that that will do. Many of the gnomes have over the years found ways to, um, he kind of turns to the other two behind him and he has a little mini conversation whispering back and forth in gnomish. And he turns back and he says, we can trust you with this information, but many gnomes have magics that allow us to assume various shapes and forms and understand languages. But unfortunately we have never reached a level of understanding of how to speak to elementals and things of distant planes like that. But I do have something that may help with it. And you being the dwarf closest related will probably be able to, I don't know, maybe free all of us from this place. Perhaps you can, can maybe take this potion and, and, and speak with the Gatlabdur and maybe get them to move. Do you think you, you have the bravery it takes to confront such a thing? I must try. Okay. Unfortunately, the potions we carry, we keep them in a small hiding deep within one of these homes here as he kind of drifts a finger back towards all the little gnomish homes. And he says, if you'd be so kind, I could show you where we have it. We have a few of these potions in stock. He says, are you familiar with gnomish alchemy? In the sense that it exists. And then with that, he gives a couple of nods and he says, they, there is quite a bit of, of strange gnomish alchemy. 
and many magics that can morph and change people into forms that usually are not, but perhaps <laughs> for a different day. I am very familiar. <laughs> he says, if you're willing, you can try a more experimental potion that I have. You may understand and speak Terran and thus be able to communicate with the Galabdur. If your noble blood is not there, then perhaps, perhaps this will work just as well. Would you be so kind? If that is the only way, then I'm and so with that, the... Uh, like, let lets everybody know that she can cast tongues on Noriel and then he could speak to them, but it just comes out as... Can I do, can I do perception check? <laughs> or an insight? Yeah, do, yeah, does this seem like they might be leading wanna, me into, like, a trap? I, I want to make sure we're not going in something silly. I will say that looking at how they're eyeballing the food... Also... You just rolling shit. I didn't say roll for it. I'm I'm over here running the game, and you're like, I'm rolling insight. I'm gonna double check if they're lying to me. But anyway, what you can tell is the other two who weren't speaking have been eyeballing that food that you left on the ground there, as if like it was a 500 pound tiger coming to kill them, and they're just staring at it with like a level of like intense intrigue. That it again, it might as well have been a plate of diamonds. Like they're just staring at the way. Waiting they, for the charge to let them go for it. Yeah, because they just keep looking at it. Jarzak's going to make his way towards the food. And just eat it at them. Scoop it up. <laughs> just eats it, bag and all. Um, no, and he'll just bring it all the way over to them. And so they all, again, look like a couple of cornered cats. And so they all sort of just kind of cower a little bit. And as you give it to them, they start pulling it apart and just tearing through it and eating it. Weeboo, what? <laughs> I'll, I'll throw the one extra in for all of them as well. So, three of mine. And they all seem very grateful for this. So, what do we get on our inside checks? You're looking to, to really screw over these little gnomes here? I just need to know. I got a 15. I got a 10. I just want to know what I know. I mean, they just seem very scared. Anton, you can tell that the leader is a lot more hesitant than the other two in a more intellectual way. Those two seem more scared in a very primal, like you guys are bigger than them kind of way. But he seems to be like not wanting to show his cards as if showing Norhill his place, like he's speaking about it in a way that like he wants Norhill to see it and that's it. Like he's not looking to have a bunch of strangers in the Undermountain just like come hang out in his house. And Todd looks toward Norn and says, it may be best for you to accompany them when gathering this potion or so. It, it might not be comforting to have all of us in the same close quarters. Understood. As a show of trust, I will go alone. Okay. And so with that, the um, fluffy-haired uh, one of them goes ahead and he kind of guides you and he says and as a sign of trust my two compatriots will stay here with you and with that he gives them a look and they both look like yo what the fuck and he just keeps on moving leaving them behind and both of them covered in crumbs and bits of dried meat just look up at you guys with a look of like and so that <laughs> Norhill and this gnome just go kind of walking around a bend and off into the distance where you guys can't really see them very well. And he starts to lead you down a pathway and he says, you can tell me now that we are alone. Are you of noble blood? Why have you come here? I am of no noble ancestry that I know. Uh, my father and his father before him were brewers. And he says, are you of military power? I... In better times, I would once have uh, led a squad of rangers. And so with that, he kind of stops and he says, huh, well, from what I know of the politics of the dwarves of these mountains, that does amount to something now, doesn't it? Being a very military-driven society, that would seem something of borderline noble kin, true enough. Perhaps. I never thought of it that way. And so with that, he just kind of continues on his way, um, sort of just keeping up his pace as was before. And he says, I have heard of the Duergar, and I've heard of stranger things. You know of the Aspies that live down here, correct? 
and the aspies as you know of are um like giant insectoid people that yeah we talked about that in a couple episodes back yeah and so he just mentions that the aspies have moved farther down into these sorts of tunnels and he suspects that this is because they are either under the direction of those Durgar, and he's been trying his hardest to like find a way to kind of redirect them the fuck out of here and not bothering them because they just want meat to eat and to feed everybody so he's just afraid one day he's gonna wake up kind of on a lunch train heading to a queen you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. and so with that he says if there's any way for us to get out of here, I would very much so appreciate that. So if you have the ability to convince the Galabdir, I would be very grateful. So, and with that, he kind of leads you to what could only be described as like the back room of something of like a gnomish diner of sorts or like a tavern. And he just sort of like knocks on the door a couple times and the door just creaks open on its own. And he points his finger and he says, well, go ahead. You can see in there. Uh, uh, yeah, and then Norhill steps inside. Okay, and with that, he closes the door and he says, I can't turn on any of these lights. I'm afraid a lot of the chemicals that I use are very reactive. He says, but if you just go down this hallway and to the right, my workshop's in here. I have a couple of glow bug lights in here. Down the hall and to the right. And so as Norhill walks into there and bumps into a door, slides it open with a creaking groan. Uh, what's your armor class? Uh, 18. Okay, and so that um, you get hit over the head with what could be described as something of like a cudgel, though it's hard to tell. The one telltale sign is the ringing in your ears of being pelted upside the head without being really made aware of what's happening. Um, You take seven points of damage as you're just cudgeled over the back of the head. And as you kind of like have that like moment of like, okay, here we go. Uh, Roll initiative with me, would you? Uh, was that seven points of damage uh, accounting for my damage reduction? No, it wasn't. Okay, uh, I got a 14 on my last roll. Okay, so you go first. And you have dark vision, so turning around now to face your new opponent as you stand here in what looks to be just a storage room filled with a bunch of like dead Durgar bodies now that you're getting a good look after like stars have faded from vision this looks to be something of a little munching room and as you look back at the guy who hit you over the head uh you see before you a strange and alien looking figure with like grayish kind of sort of transparent looking skin revealing greenish grayish muscles underneath it and a couple of almost octopoidish looking like eyeballs yellow with black slits running in the middle laterally and this thing looks to you with very much so indistinguishable features and a rather lumpy sort of face with long gangly arms and legs. This thing with almost an unthinking yet very predatory look looking back at you. Whatever the fuck this thing is, it sure is not the gnome that you saw before to the point that you might even think that that gnome in the hallway has been subject to the same fate that you are now to be subject to. But you can tell rather clearly Um, looking at the weird squishy parts on the sides of its head, kind of pulling back in and returning to that greenish grayish muscle color, that they were kind of silverish, like the tufts of hair of that gnomish guy, as if receding back into the form that the thing is now. So what would you like to do as you were in base contact with this beastie? Ah, mother of Morden, what have you done with the gnome? And uh, I'm going to take a swing at him. Okay. Uh, that is going to be a 27 to hit on my first attack. Yeah, that's good. And I'm going to attempt to turn it into a disarming attack. Okay. Let's see. Let's see. That's going to be 13 points of uh, lightning and piercing damage. And the creature needs to make a DC 14 strength saving throw or drop its weapon. Okay, I got a 16. All right, uh, you still got a hold of your weapon. Okay. Um, but you, you take all the damage, and I'm going to attack again. You know, 
it's just games like this where you're like, you know what, you just can't trust the gnomes. Uh, that's going to be a 14 to hit on the second. Uh, that's good. This strange, naked alien monster armed with a billy club is not exactly the pinnacle of combative strength right now. Uh, that's going to be 18 points of piercing and lightning damage. How much? 18. Jesus Christ. Oh. I, I rolled close to max on that one. Okay. Yeah, it's not looking very good at this point. It definitely looks heartily wounded, and you can see some slimy green blood kind of leaking from its various wounds that you've left behind. And at this point, the thing looking down at the wounds uh, swings in for a couple of bludgeoning strikes at you, attempting to... I, yeah, I, I wanted to say, with my uh, sorry, uh, the last thing on my turn is I want to start moving away back out of the building, uh, risking an attack opportunity. Okay. Okay. We can allow that. So, attack of opportunity, and what's your armor class? 18. Oh, you're lucky. I got 17. And so with that, you go ahead and meander past it, and because the distance out of the building is about 25 feet, you make it outside the door. And on its turn, I guess it just kind of chases after you and tries to level a couple hits on you. Um, And one of those... Oh, well, I guess I already tried to attack and I missed on it. So I'll just roll only one of them. And I missed. So the thing catches up to you outside the door and again continues to swing wildly at you with that club, attempting to knock you over. Um, what would you like to do on your turn? Uh, I'm going to attempt to hit it uh, again. Okay. And I will say at this point, you're only about 200 to 250 feet away from where the party is. Yeah, so you know, as I'm swinging... Uh, Help! Ambush! Ambush? I thought he was dead. What is that? But... <laughs> uh, 23 to hit? I thought it's exactly Klika. <laughs> what did you get? 23 to hit. Okay, and so as you slam this guy, go ahead and roll damage. Uh, so 13 points of damage, and if that's going to knock him down, I'd like it to be non-lethal. How much was it? 13? 13. Okay, so it's not. But as you smack him upside the head with the blunt side of this and taser him pretty good, you can see as you like wipe the thing away from him, his flesh stretches for a second. And as it comes back to a normal place, he's already beginning to shrink down to your stature and is already beginning to grow fleshy, like sinuous growth on his face that looks similar to yours as if already beginning to replicate your general form. I don't like that. Ambush! Uh, uh, that, that's, an, that's another 23 to hit. Okay, that's good. And he yells, ambush, ambush, please help. Save you, Norhill. <laughs> so that's uh, 15 points of damage. Okay, that kills him. Non-lethally take it down. Okay, so you smack him over the head and he falls to the ground. Uh, retaining his dwarfish form for a moment, only to turn slowly back to his normal state. And at this point, you guys all heard him yelling out, ambush, ambush, help, ambush, ambush. We're running over. Okay. And, and, By the uh, way. As they make their way over, I'm going to start binding it up with the 10-foot chain. Okay. By the way, I was nervous, guys. I thought this was going to be more of like a Texas chain co- Chainsaw Massacre kind of thing, where like the dwar- like the gnomes were actually like killing Dorger and eating them, and you're gonna be there. Well, I don't know. Maybe I didn't I get a good scared. look at that, at that room. I got scared. Uh, also brought into a it. room with all these dead dorgers. I'm like, oh my god, are we gonna get cannibalized or something? I mean, nothing for nothing, but they were gonna eat them. They were gonna eat you too. That, so, yeah, it was just wanna, I feel like there would have been something freakier about it. They don't exactly have dorger furniture laid out in the in the room there or anything, so it's not fully dead. But any other movie where the uh, bad guys eat people, I suppose you're kind of close there. But the uh, the gnomes just scramble off as soon as you guys yeah, go. I was, was going to say, when he starts shouting, I would probably try to blast one of the gnomes. Oh, okay. Dude, he, he went off with one of them by himself and is yelling <laughs> ambush. Anyone could have ambushed in that time. Watching yeah. someone. It's just a gnome. And you're like, oh. <laughs> he tricked them too. <laughs> 
Just, I guess I would pause for a second. Just, what did you do? <laughs> Get ready to blast them. Wait, and you say that to the gnomes? Yeah. I mean, I guess the gnomes are just going to try to scurry off and run off into the buildings. But Norhill is nowhere to be seen. You can just hear him from far off in the distance echoing by. So him yelling. I need to run off to Norhill. Okay. And with that, again, the gnomes are going to run off in a completely different direction. So if you guys wanted to keep track of them or whatever, by all means. But unless you wanted to attack one of them. Uh, no, because I don't know exactly what was going on at the time. So, But I will scoop up the rations they left and put them back away. They didn't. Um, they nommed him down rather quickly. Um, but okay, and so as the party ducks into the little corridors, finding the sounds of Norhill's uh, echoing yells there, you guys find the sounds replaced by the chinking of chains as you guys come over and see a strange, gangly green alien monster tied up in chains on the ground. And you see Norhill kind of busily at work, whistling as he does, tying up this beastie. Well, that's not what I expected. Norhill, what? Anybody who has Arcana can roll for it. What is that? Click, I got a five. Yeah, this thing did something with the gnome. Cracked me a good one over the head, but it didn't stand a chance. It's still alive in case we want to question it. The other gnomes ran off. I don't think those ones are hostile in any way. So where did it put the gnome? I don't know. I haven't heard the building. The last thing I saw was, uh, before, you know, good uh, knocked the noggin was a room full of Droger corpses. <laughs> Just around his face. This is scary. <laughs> so did you guys want to go see that room? Yeah. Okay. And so venturing in, um, you guys can see pretty clearly that this room is filled to the brim with not only Durgar corpses that have been like half eaten and eaten in a way that like they've literally had like meat chopped in like sort of a civilized-ish kind of way, but there's also like casks of mead and stuff in the hall and the other part of the building that look like something's been like sipping and drinking and there's like bed rolls laid out here as if something's just living kind of comfortably sifting off the uh, off the bottom of the uh, barrel as it were and you guys can tell amongst the rubble that there's a bunch of gear stacked up as well granted Duergar gear but Duer uh, gear nonetheless I'll check through it see if anything stands out Okay. And so as you start looking through it, you find a few coin purses that seem to be filled to the brim with silver pieces in total, cashing out to about 357 silver pieces in total, as if this is just a pileup of all the coinage that's been left through here. Amongst that, there's also a couple of maces, small maces, and a very peculiar and ugly looking shield. I'll scoop the shield. Yeah, and as you pick it up and pull it out, dusting off a bunch of the whatever was left behind on the shield, you can tell that it looks to be like a kite shield, but on the face is a grotesque sort of, and grotesque in a way of like, not gross, but grotesque as in like a, like a gargoyle-ish kind of looking face of what could only be described as a goblin with like big pointy teeth that kind of wreathe up and a tongue that sticks down in the middle of it and googly eyes that seem to like move around as you move the shield around. But the lightness of the shield and the durability you can already sense just from like the style of the metal, this thing looks like it's magic. Hey, Klika, can you make this face? <laughs> Klika tries no, no. to make the face. Guys, is Klika broken? They're hard to say. I thought that she was just speaking no much. <laughs> I don't know if it's gnomish. Kalika, can you can you write and I give Kalika the um the ring I have that can do the chalk, the ink, or the yeah. Crap. Okay, I mean your writing is totally fine. Kalika writes the quick brown fox jumps over the lazy dog. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, he's got mastery over the alphabet too. <laughs> what does it mean? Every letter. 
it's the common version of that. I don't know what that would be. <laughs> I'm sure we can figure it out. Why don't we dedicate the next episode strictly to figuring out? <laughs> but even holding this shield around for a little bit and just kind of like looking around it, the googly eye part of it was mocking you guys as if like picking it up and having looked at it face on is googly eyeing at you guys in particular. And now that you're just kind of holding it there, the eyes slowly shift back and forth as if getting a read of everybody in the room. Uh, do I notice that? Because I'm holding it. it pro- okay. Yeah, I mean, I figure as you're just kind of like holding it and looking around. And everybody who looks over at you sees the eyeballs just kind of like, uh. So Jarsak's going to take take the shield off his arm and hold it in front of him. So face to face to just be like, so what's your deal? And just like the look of that shield, it's got a mocking aura somehow. And as you hold it, like mocks me. <laughs> and as you hold it like that and look at it, um, Norhill looking back at Jarzak as he does this, um, Jarzak, your tongue has officially turned like a very mucousy, gross-looking green, and you've got a little extra drool going on than uh, than usual. What, what do you mean it turned? It wasn't already like this. Well, that's why I was saying. <laughs> but as you hold it up, the eyeballs both sink on you. And as you say that, and then it kind of just repeats the last word that you said, which I believe was what's the deal with the shield, something like that. And he just said, I'll shield. Josh, I kind of like that thing. I was just going to say, I like this thing. <laughs> that was good. He got me. As Anton says that line, like, I don't like the shield, the eyeballs quickly move in his direction, and little angry eyebrows form on the shield instead. I don't have little angry eyebrows. Yeah, get him, shield. And then the thing says, shield. <laughs> and so as you hang out with the shield for a hot bit and investigate this place and check out everything, it's a plus one magic shield. Again, the, the drooling gets a little bit worse. Uh, not like like drool, but like, yeah, there's a little bit extra every once in a while. It's kind of gross, but and the eyeballs just keep following people as you're walking around. I, I'm not comfortable with this thing. Uh, uh, I mean, you don't have to look at it. It's fine. Yeah, but he keeps looking at me. And so in this time, I'll say you guys have about an hour, a short rest, if you will. And in the time that it takes, uh, Jarzak, you can attune to it if you would like to. Um, And if you do, it functions uh, effectively as like a magic mouth spell. So you can program speech into it one phrase at a time. But one psychic command, as long as you know where it is, you can make it utter that that command phrase. Okay. This is just like a good shield. This is a good troll shield. I like it. No, it's a goblin shield, damn it. Did did anyone else want this or just me? I figured this was way up Klika's alley in a way that wasn't healthy, but at the same time, I'm like, I don't know. (laughs) Klika can't really express that right now. Okay, uh, no one then. Okay, cool. Klika is is making the (laughs) sound of a dial-up modem connecting to the internet in the background. Click, I get it. You don't like it either. It's fine. I mean, in the time that it takes you guys for an hour, I mean, as soon as he figures out that it's like programmed speech, Klika can speak again. Hi, I'm Klika. The thing utters back, Klika. I understood that. Ah! Now the shield can translate for us. No, no, no. Say something else, Klika. The, okay. the, the monster in that hour what becomes ours. Yeah, that thing's conscious now at the end of the hour. Oh, shit. The thing looks up at you guys, and it looks at Norhill in a way that is hard to read as angry, but the thing slowly shifts into the form of a Duergar. You think you can make me angry by wearing a hated shape. I don't think you can. I know what you really look like, and you're not much of a challenge. So, why don't you tell me who and what you truly are, and what you know about the lower halls? And he says, 
in um, in the Dorvish speech again, taking on a more naturalistic tone in the uh, Duergar form. But he says, he says, me and my clan have lived here for a while. We have done what we could to survive down here. Times have been difficult in the mountain, and we've made do in these halls. Did Jarzak have Arcana? Nope. No, just nature. That's what I thought. Yep. I mean, I'll let you roll nature if you'd like. Okay. That seems like something that could be sort of natural enough. 13? I mean, looking at this thing and seeing the shape-changing kind of nature to it, I mean, you can tell it's a shape-changing monster. Um, You know also that things that shape-change usually have some kind of strange mental capabilities. So it's best not to give this thing the benefit of the doubt that it's just a monster that can change. You know what I'm saying? But I'll say that you trans- you said that to everybody in the group when it was tied up. So that way it's not like, hey guys, he- 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 you might know what you're thinking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, okay. And so with that, he says that last speech and he says, let me go. I have no allegiance to anyone and I'll do nothing to harm you. Were you telling the truth about the gallant her and the noble blood? He says, yes. I was hoping to move into f- more as he kind of looks around the room again, he looks towards the floor with the half-eaten bodies, fruitful sections of the hall. Do you have to eat people? What? Do, do you have to eat people? And he says, it's the easiest way to get by. The mushroom groves have been locked off long ago. Which, Norhill, you're very aware of the mushroom groves of the dwarves down here too. Good old dwarfish whiskey. If we let you go, would you continue to eat people or would you find other ways to live? He says, I'm leaving the mountain. You mentioned the rest of your clan. Are you the only one left? They may be waiting outside the door for you right now. (laughs) Can I do insight, please? The whole silence of the group just like uh-oh. Nor Norhill, that definitely didn't sound like a no to eating people, so <laughs> Klika, Anton, check the doors. Yeah, Klika, Anton, go check the doors. Klika checks the door. Like <laughs> Norhill's like, you go check. I already got hit in the head once. You got hit in the head with two coconuts. What'd you get, Anton? Roll it, because I know you got weird about me. (laughs) (laughs) My point is, is that I'm like, I want to know. We've had like three attempts for insight already in one game. I'm like, you know, you can't just insight fucking everybody who talks to you. We are in the layer of like evil. We got to insight everybody. This is I got 22. This is Norhill's home. You're like the layer of evil. You met one guy. Norhill's family is goddamn dead. And we saw one of the biggest villains like just go take camp in here. So yeah. He didn't insight the Otgugs. That's all I'm saying. I don't think I could have incited the Otgugs. Pronounced Otgug. I got Otgug, sorry. I got when he two. said Otgug, I don't know why. But I like That's what I remembered. I just like how confidently you said it, so Ronnie. <laughs> I should just let it be a game of telephone, so eventually it's like fucking Antithea or whatever her name became. Now, do you just believe that insight only works on bipedal creatures? Then is that what it is? <laughs> you can't roll insight on deer. <laughs> deer don't have uh, motives or tell lies. <laughs> That's what you think. <laughs> you haven't met the right deer. But anyway, what would you get? I got twenty-two. I mean, it, the, it's not a matter of him lying or not. I think he's just kind of like flouting the, the sorry, uh, uh, sort of uh, flaunting the fact that they very well could be out there. If the people weren't scared off by you guys, they could be. So I guess it's not a matter of if he's telling the truth or lying. He just kind of is flaunting the fact that they could be out there. He has no idea, I guess is my point. You know what, guys? I'll go check. Okay. And with that, the shield goes, check. 
and the eyeballs kind of shift amongst everybody in the room before walking out the room. Yeah, we'll check. Uh, you can stay here, though, Shield. And I put the shield down. Well, shield just looks at both of you guys who are looking back at it and then back over at Norhill and the strange critter there and just kind of closes its eyes. Um, and so now as you walk out uh, the back door, you don't see anything. Okay. I'm going to stay there looking out. I'll like kind of yell back to them to let them know. Okay. It's clear, and I'll, but I'll stay there to keep an eye. Fair enough. So, if I let you go, what assurance do I have that you won't simply turn around and give us away to the Duergar? And he says, the Duergar in the upper halls. These are the foolish ones who skirted off looking for buried treasure. I've heard it spoken a lot. They're looking for something in here. Something your kind took from them a long time ago. How silly you all are. He says, just let me go and I'll leave the mountain. I don't care. I'll go to, I don't know, one of the other stupid cities out here. Maybe Dustwind. Maybe I'll make a living off an eagle heart. I don't care. Where did you come from before? And with that, he kind of snickers a couple times and he says, you wouldn't get it. You uncultured swine. And he spits on the ground. Click a cast mending on the spit. (laughs) (laughs) But with that, he says, you wouldn't understand any of it. Let me go. And this could be the end of it. Thika, Anton, what do you think? I don't think. Uh, We're just going to leave it on that. I don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't think, think this. And Anton just looks kind of grim and he says, This isn't a place where we can allow mercy. We can't trust it. Not here. Clerk of the light, everybody. <laughs> what did you uh, say that your, uh, your big cause was? Charity? Generosity, but this is like... Did someone yell that they needed my, my help? Anon's <laughs> about to be jealous with an ass whooping. <laughs> um, well, Klika thinks that the... Um... Uh, yeah, we're a pretty good judge of character. Maybe we can just lower them down to those guys and see what they do. So for the first time, you see a little bit of panic in the face of this strange beast in the Duergar form. Uh, as it says, so you would torture me and hold me down there and have me killed? Well, they were pretty friendly to us. It says, at least when I killed these things, they didn't see it coming. You would torture me and let me watch my own fate. You're no better than they are. And as he says that, he kind of nods over at the corpses on the ground. And he yells over to Norhill and he just says, you wouldn't believe what's happened up there. Atrium of the flame, a rust pit, total murder, genocide of a dwarvish type. Did this guy just pull out a cigarette from behind his ear and light it? Holy shit. Total murder. Well, that he says, he says, I don't know much of what's happening, and I haven't been able to follow many paths around here. Nothing's safe. But if those Duergar are right, there's not one single standing military member in the entire Dwarvish allegiance up there. Not one. So I hate to break it to you, but I think you might be a little bit closer to noble blood than you think you are. As long as one dwarf in these halls still draws breath, that's cool. has deigned to give you a fighting chance, and I'm inclined to agree. I'll let you go. On one condition, you must swear upon uh, pain of death, winding oaths, 
to wear to choose one face and wear it for the rest of your days. And one face only. Choose well. We cannot change a creature's nature, nor him. It, would that not even making not even looking over at Anton just locking eyes with Norhill? His little beard grows out and his skin tone changes into Norhill's face. And he says, Deal. <laughs> I gave my word. And he's like, damn it. <laughs> Fuck, we should have killed him. You're gonna let him go looking like you? Stability. Uh, <laughs> Anton's gonna step in. So you've chosen. Say, uh, so you've chosen mockery as your last action ever. Very well. Uh, and Norhill's gonna raise the war pick. One last look at Anton and Klika. Uh, Klika. Well, if she was standing behind him, she would stab him in the backs because he was like, at least they didn't see it coming. So she feels like that's how he'd want to go, too. But if I can't do that, then I'm just going to give the nod to Norhill to do it. I mean, would Norhill allow it? Seeing the uh, sort of irony there? What would Klika do? Anton's just going to watch. <laughs> well, I figured Norhill's the one who kind of makes that last claim on that. Right. Norhill will lower the pick, haul the creature up by the chains, uh, turn it so that its back is to Klika. Oh, Jesus. Well, as he thinks he's being let out of the chamber, Klika shanks him in the back and the thing falls to the ground limp and dies, reverting from the Norhill form back to that strange alien form. Never let it be said that I didn't give the chance. <laughs> Hey, hey guys, what was that loud bang? <laughs> it's like, hey guys, what are we having for dinner? Oh. The coast is clear up there, so what the what the hell did you guys do? Jarzak, your shield killed him. Uh, <laughs> I shouldn't have left it here. You hear an echo from the, the other way, just how you do down here. Clicks <laughs> no. <laughs> Buddy, you're not allowed out of my sight anymore. <laughs> Yeah, I, more. I tried to stop him. He just kept saying more, more, more. Uh, I get it, bud. I get it. <laughs> All right, I picked the shield back up. <laughs> Throw it on my back. And as you guys go walking near Jarzak, you see the eyeballs open up again eagerly and begin to look back and forth amongst everybody behind him. Well, there's that. And so with that, the uh, party heads up the pathway towards the strange gallop gear. Sure. Um, uh, just to be sure, that never was a potion, was there? No, not at all. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I was like, wait a minute. And as you start heading up to this massive rubble heap, you can see in the pile of all the stone and the columns that have been stacked up and destroyed that either great dwarvish machines have moved these columns and these hunks of stone or something of the earthen realm has been able to kind of pull and push these things around because this sort of subway tunnel-ish looking connector here is just filled with stone and rubble. And as you guys approach, you sense something trembling amongst the rocks. Norhill, before this commences, what is this item that your people stole from the Dwarver? You have no idea. Never heard any such tale. But the rivalry between us runs deep and long back to the very beginnings of our history. It could be anything and it could be nothing. Just be prepared. And so as you guys continue to stand here, large rock form seems to climb out of the rocky bubble here, taking on a form that's sort of humanoid-ish, but it's just so broad-shouldered and so stocky and stony that as the stones of its mouth kind of rumble and grumble against each other, you guys can tell that this thing is in some way, shape, or form kind of hailing towards you. 
And as it does so, a few more of the columns and pillars that are here seem to kind of like almost go upright and start to like slide and like flop towards you guys as if animated by this strange stony beast. And as you continue to stand there, it seems more and more rocks come to the call of whatever this grumbling rockish beast is. And as you guys stand there deadlocked with this thingy that comes to a complete stop, little bits of dust and stone and dirt seem to grumble off and fall to the ground, making that kind of pitter-pattering noise as everything goes completely and utterly silent. And that is where we're going to end the episode. Hey everybody, it's the young Grognard here. I want to say thank you for listening to another episode of the podcast. If you have anything you'd like to tell me, any questions or concerns, shoot me a tweet over at YGrognard on Twitter, or send me an email at younggrognard at gmail.com. As always, keep it real, and more importantly, keep it dungeonous. Thanks.